Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Good morning. How about, uh, how about why they uh, pass out sing the chorus of that song? All my life you have been faithful. All my life. Amen. Praise God for his goodness over us. I sing that song and I think of the good parts of my life and the hard parts of my life. And I think the hard parts of my life do not mean that God wasn't still good in those moments. But God is good all the time. Every circumstance. Amen. I'm going to start with the end of my sermon. Some of you think, great, that'll get us done quicker. It's not true. The end of Luke 6 says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Translate that. Why do you call me father or mother and not do what I say? You're like, well, there's a lot of reasons for that. Your father and mother don't know everything. It's no excuse, but that's what we say. But Jesus does know everything. He knows what's right and what's good, and he's trying to remove us from bizarro world. Thank you for that. And bring us into something new called the kingdom of God to set us free of all of our sins, to come and and, and birth a new, fresh life of God, the life of heaven in us. He says, I'm I'm, I'm Lord, I'm Savior, I'm, I'm the one who's delivering you out of these things, and yet you call me Lord and Savior, but you don't actually do what I say for you to do. Man, that's a big ending. That's like the big finish for this sermon on the plain or parallel to the Sermon on the Mount. You call me Lord, but you don't do what I say. It says, for everyone who hears my words and puts my words into practice, everyone say practice, makes perfect. I will show you what you are like. You're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood came and torrents struck and the house that struck that house, it could not shake it because it was well built. Listen, God's heart and God's desire for you, young and old, is that you would live in a life, a house, that is well built. Doesn't that sound good? How many people would prefer to live in the following house? But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like the man who built his house on ground without a foundation, say sand. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. One shot took it out. The words of Jesus in this sermon that I'm going to share with you are for your good. They're an invitation to come into something new and profound and powerful called the kingdom of God, which is to bring you life and deliverance. And not only that, to make your life like a flow valve where the goodness of God would flow into the broken, upside-down world in which we all exist. And it doesn't matter on your circumstance, rich or poor, You know, whether you got straight A's or you didn't, 
Whether, whether you feel like you're in an advantaged place or a disadvantaged place in life, it doesn't matter. Jesus says, if you obey my words, then you will be like a house built on the rock, and through you, God's grace and mercy will flood into this broken world. How many people would like that to be their life? Then pray with me. Father God, we thank you for all the good things that already happened this morning. We're grateful. Lord, in this precious special time, I pray that you would just fill us, Lord, with the wisdom and knowledge of heaven. God, open our eyes, open our ears to see and to experience and to understand so that we can do the things that you say to do. God, I pray for the shabby houses in the room, the houses that have been beat up by the winds and the storm and they feel like they're about to collapse. I pray today you'd build a new foundation. Dear God, today you would do something new, something good something that we could celebrate. Now, as we go through your word, let your word go through us. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Everyone, welcome Ashley Moorcraft to the stage. She is going to be our lovely assistant today. My apologies to the young man who got the bait and switch by Adam. They thought they could do something cool with that. Instead, they got the mispronounced words on stage in front of everyone. So I'm going to read to you the Sermon on the Mount. And while I do that, Ashley is going to color in that stick figure. A couple of people have already said, Dave, that looks like you, broad shoulders and narrow at the waist. <laughs> kind of a big, round, bobus head. But let me read this to you. Luke six twelve. One of the days, Jesus went out to a mountain to pray. And he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them. And these 12 he designated as apostles. Simon, who was named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of uh, Alephius, Simon, who was called Zealot. Isn't it great if your nickname was Radical? Hey, crazy man. Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who would become a traitor. All right, imagine this. Jesus on a mountain calling 12 people to himself. What does that remind you of? Just think kind of back into the old Bible stories. People coming forward, 12 groups of people to a mountain. What does that remind you of? Louder? Okay, yeah, it's good. It's not tricky. Not, well, not a trick question. I'm not like Adam. Jesus is calling to himself 12 apostles. And the symbolism is very powerful. It's very simple and clear. It's like the 12 tribes of Israel, right? It's almost like, and it is exactly like, Jesus is rebooting Israel. Call it Israel born or the people of God 2.0. And here's what I think God wants us to understand from this passage. That in the Old Testament, we get the outline of God's heart and God's purpose for his people. You get the commandments. You, you get the, the preaching of Deuteronomy and all the, the prophets and, and all the, the narrative stories, the covenant historical stories that we read these amazing things about. But they're all incomplete because they're just the framework. They're just the outline of God's heart and purpose for the world. 
It's as if God was building the framework, but they, they were waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise. The fulfillment for God's people. And so here as Jesus begins to lay out God's heart and God's teaching from the mountain with his 12 apostles around him, it's like God is saying, now I am bringing the fulfillment of the outline that you saw on all those centuries of God's people. It doesn't mean that God wasn't merciful, because he was merciful in the outline. But now we're seeing the measure of mercy in Jesus. It doesn't mean that God wasn't gracious in the Old Testament. Certainly he was. But now we're seeing the fulfillment of grace in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that God's purposes, are you finished? Can you put a little smiley face on that man and make us happy? It doesn't mean that God was wrong in the Old Testament, but he was painting a picture. He was outlining the plan. And that in Christ, Luke wants us to see, we see the fulfillment of all those things. And so as Jesus pulls together 12 apostles, one apostle was called Zealot. One would later betray him. Didn't matter. It was all according to God's purpose and his plan. And that Luke is helping us to see that in Jesus, we have the fulfillment of all God's promises and all God's purposes. Thank you, Ash. I want to show you now, if we start and look in verse 27, what's some of the greater purposes and the fulfillment that God wants us to see as he preaches as Jesus preaches this message. So look at verse 27 now. Are you ready? You're going to like this. But to you who are listening, I say. Anybody listening? I mean, Jesus says there's people that have ears, but they don't know how to hear. Right? Is anyone here listening? I want you engaged. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. It's the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And as Jesus reconstitutes God's people, God's people 2.0, he wants us to know more than just the outline, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not covet, right? Thou shalt not lie, give false testimony. That was the outline. But the fulfillment of it, God's heart in it is, listen, love. And so much of, I think, we could understand Christianity to be is for us, with the help of God, increasing our capacity to love. Because what Jesus is teaching here almost seems impossible. We're not, we don't have that natural capacity in and of ourselves. In and of ourselves, it's all we can do not to murder or to lie or to covet or to steal. It's all we can do to obey the Sabbath, just show up in church. 
That's all we can do is to, to not do it wrong. But God's people 2.0, God says, no, I want you to embody the, my heart, the heart of God. And so it goes beyond not murdering. It says love. How many people feel they need an increased capacity to love? Yeah, well, some of you have got it then. Well done. But we don't have that natural capacity in and of ourselves. In order to increase our capacity to love others, we need an increased capacity to be loved. To be loved by God. I'd like us to sing another song. It's the simplest of songs. You've been singing it most of your life. Maybe you've never heard this song before. If not, I hope you enjoy it. It's called Jesus Loves Me. Are you ready? And while we sing this song, I want you to pray, Lord, increase my capacity to be loved by you. Otherwise, the following things that I'm going to say will have no traction in your life. It'll just feel like condemnation. But if you ask God, increase my capacity to be loved by you. All those walls we put up, all those things that have happened to us that have hurt us, or those lies that go through our mind about just how lovable we are, or about what God's really like, those are obstacles and enemies to what Jesus is teaching us here. There's something profound about the truth that while we were still God's enemies, he loved us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It had nothing to do with our perception of value or the experience or what other people said. It's simply that this is true. God chose to put his affection on you before you did anything. As a matter of fact, while you were doing everything wrong, Christ died for you. God showed the full measure of his love and sent Jesus after you. He loves you before you did anything good. He loves you while you did everything bad. We need an increased capacity to be loved by God. Are you ready? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Open your heart. Yes, Jesus loves me. Thank you, Lord. While we were still sinners, Christ died. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that those who believe would not be condemned. Holy Spirit, I pray even right now in this place, every single one of us, whatever our background or whatever our differences or similarities, God, that you would increase our capacity to be loved by you. Heal us, God, from all the hatred. Heal us, God, from all the rejection. Heal us, Lord, from all the lies that have run through our mind for decades or maybe just for moments. Let us know the depth of your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just give you a little illustration because I want you to see yourself as a balloon. So, yeah, this is an air gun hooked to a compressor. It's going to get rough. 
But I, I think I want, you to, I want you to consider your heart as Jesus is speaking. Because if, if what it means to follow Christ means to increase our capacity to be loved by God, we accept, Lord, that you love me. Thank you. Let that love heal my heart, heal my life, heal my relationships. Secondly, Jesus wants us to increase our capacity to love other people. And so, if you only have a small capacity for love, as life challenges you to love more and more, you get stretched. And at some point, that was louder than I thought it was going to be. You okay, kids? All right. I forgot the microphone was right here. Wow. When Jesus speaks about enemies, this is what it says he does to you, the enemies. They hate you. They curse you. They hurt you. They slap you. They demand of you. They take your things. That's the nature of an enemy. And Jesus says, in response to that, that you'd have a capacity to love, and your response to that would be to love them, to do good to them, to bless them, to pray for them, and to give to them. It is the, it is the opposite earth. What's again? Yeah. It's bizarro. It seems like bizarro. But we're living in a world of hate. We're living in a world of insult and rejection. And God is trying to bring us out of bizarro world into his new kingdom. To the earth, to the creation, to community, to relationship with God that we were meant for. And if you'll allow me, I won't hurt your ears anymore. But I want you to see this so that your prayer and your hope would be that you would have a larger capacity of love. And the Holy Spirit wants to do this in us, right? Trying to blow up the balloon. This is actually a better illustration. You need God to breathe into your life a bit. This is a three-foot balloon. 
I could keep going. Is that big enough? Okay. Allie, will you keep going on this for us? Just keep blowing that up for us. It's kind of gross on the end. I'm lingering here because I really want us to have a large capacity for love. Because I think in my life or in your life, we're like that little balloon. How many people have had an explosion because life has stretched you too far and you couldn't love anymore? I mean, it hurts our ears. But but I think our world is filled with little balloons with people exploding all over the place. And the church is meant to be high capacity to love enemies. To love people not like you. To respond to threats with love. To respond to insults with love. To respond to differences with love. Now that works so much better than I thought it was going to. To put it simply, the golden rule, to do unto others as you'd want them to do to you, it applies to friends as well as enemies. I'm going to end with this next bit. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will pour into your lap. For with the measure that you give and the measure which you use what God's given you, it will be measured back to you. The famous story, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me get that speck out of your eye when you got this giant plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This story is not about not removing specks, where we see sin and we see brokenness and you see things that aren't right, we stand as a prophetic voice to make things right. We're speck removers. We're plank removers. The church has a heavenly vision of what community and life should be like with God at the center, with God first, not second. It's not about, oh, you can't say anything, that anything's wrong, you can never say anything. It's not like that. But it's about, it's about not minimizing your own stuff and maximizing other people's problems. Here's an easy way to say it. Love first, condemn never. That's God's people 2.0. Love first, condemn never.
He's addressing that thing in our heart that says, we just, we judge and we, we, we elevate and we de-elevate people based on our own internal wishes. And Jesus says, that is not the way of God's people 2.0. One of the problems with God's people 1.0, all the rules, all the outlines, all, it, just, it, it just eroded into these rules of condemning and judging people. Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. He didn't even work. He just said, stretch out your hand. That's not work, but their hearts were so corrupted. They lost the heart of God, and the outline made them to condemn Jesus. The man didn't work. He just stretched out his hand and was healed. There was no compassion in the hearts of the Pharisees. Only condemnation and judgment. And Jesus says, that's not my Sabbath. That is your Sabbath. That is not my Sabbath. On my Sabbath, we feed hungry people. On my Sabbath, we have compassion on the disabled. And it's my Sabbath is a party of worship and rest and community. Listen to me. I believe in Sabbath. Sabbath is the word of God. Work and do all your stuff. Save a day of the week for worship. Our culture today looks at Sunday church as an optional thing in the same way it's like, well, am I going to go to the store? Well, I'll go later. They say the same thing about church. Are you going to go to church? Eh, we'll go next week. That's not God's word. That is not God's heart. Sabbath is meant to be precious and wonderful for us all. That we would gather and that we would worship and, and we would sit under the, the preached word of God and we'd sing gratitude to God and we'd connect with one another a little bit. And then we'd rest our bodies and we'd rest our minds. And we'd cool our jets with each other and reconnect. Sabbath is precious. The problem with Sabbath in Jesus' day is that Sabbath became a, a, a line of judgment. You'll never hear me give anyone a hard time for not going to church. That's not who I am. That's not who we are. It's not some law. But you have to make the Sabbath your delight. It's too precious not to be there. The Lord knows what's best for me. I'm going to Sabbath today. Come on, family. Let's go. They're even serving breakfast. They're trying to get us there on time. In the end... As we increase our capacity to love, which only the Holy Spirit can do in our lives, a life that's yielded, a life that's open to God, a life that's willing to change, abundance flows. Jesus says, if you give, man, it will be given to you, pressed down. Think of like stuffing it down and shaking it and making room for more, and it'll fill you up and it'll flood over onto your lap, the good things of God. If you increase your capacity of and you forgive, oh, God doesn't just want you to forgive. He wants you to be forgiven and you to exist in the abundance of mercy and grace. God says for you that, that if, you, if you don't judge, God says that because he doesn't want you to get judged. So that you're free of judgment and there's a fullness of life which God wants for you. And in the end of the day, after all that's said and done about enemies and friends 
about following Jesus and obeying him. He says, at the end of the day, don't worry about anyone else. Because no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. He just says, nurture a godly heart, a larger capacity of love in your own life. Don't judge others. If you're wrong, just forgive. It's okay. Don't. Just fill your heart and your life with the good things of God, and your life will be a good tree. And the fruit that is taken from your life will be good fruit. Because if you don't, no matter how religious you look or how it looks on the outside, the fruit of your life will be bad fruit. And there'll be the results of bad fruit all around you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Let's stand together. Bring them up. Um, worship team, come up. We're going to end with a song. I have in my hand the shrapnel of a heart that did not have big enough capacity for love. Holy Spirit wants to invite you today to open your heart to him to increase your capacity. It's not from you. You can't do this. It's about God's work in you. It's about saying, God, I'm not going to do this through human effort. It's too exhausting. You can't manage your own heart, let alone other people. But open your heart to God. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill me today. Stretch my heart. Increase my capacity to love. Lord, I receive your love today. Some of you have been rejecting God's love. You've been pushing it off. You've been rationalizing it. You've been keeping God at a distance. Just say, Lord, I want to receive your love today. I'm open. I need your love today because I want my life to be a good tree with good fruit. I want to love first and condemn never. I'm going to pray, but I can pray. I've prayed this all week, and, but it's about you and God right now together. What will you say to him? What will you ask for? I invite you to ask him to fill your heart with his love and to give you a fresh commission to live like Jesus taught us to live, loving. Father God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that we can be together and you can speak over us as a people, the goodness and the love of God. You can speak over us as a people, your wisdom and your ways. Lord, that you would speak over us as a people, your heart, and your life. That you urge us today to choose life. Lord, I pray open our hearts wide to receive your love afresh. Holy Spirit, pour down. We know, Holy Spirit, you're the presence and the power of Jesus among us. We welcome you here. Fill our hearts, fill our lives. Love us, Lord. Help us to receive your love, O oh God. 
We reject other people's opinions about how lovable we are. Lord, we reject the condemnation the devil wants to give us and say that we're not lovable. And God, we receive your love as your children, unmerited, unearned, just here now, freely given. We receive your love. Thank you that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For you have fulfilled the law. God, I pray you'd increase our capacity to love people in strange ways and unique ways and common ways. God, shift our heart. Make room for more in us. God, we want to be your hands and feet. We want to be the aroma of Christ to an upside-down world. We want to be kingdom people. Fill us with your love, oh God. Let it overflow from our lives. Let it leak into the lives of those around us. God, let it pour into the nations in which you send us. Increase, Lord, our capacity to love. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen.